As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Like me, Lee Murray wanted to be world champion in the USC. He just happens to be involved in the largest cash robbery in the world. He's definitely not sane. <laughs> Showtime Sports presents the unbelievable true story about the MMA fighter who pulled off one of the largest heists in history. Huge amounts of money, armed gang, disguises, kidnapping. This is sort of thing you see in Hollywood films. We've never seen that for real. Catching Lightning, streaming Friday, April 7th, only on Showtime. Streaming with Paramount+. Plus. What's up, Broncos country? This week, Matt and Jared go over the upcoming rematch between the Broncos and the Chiefs. It's going to be a big game in Arrowhead Stadium, and hopefully the Broncos can rattle this heroic Patrick Mahomes into really having his worst game of the year, and so the Broncos can come up with the win. Listen in and see what Matt, Jared, and the rest of the Orange Weekly crew think is going to happen this upcoming game. All right, so as we as we get into this, before we get into the pregame, I, I want to mention something that is on the mind of every uh, Broncos fan right now is what happened with Chad Kelly. <laughs> All right, so so I, I want to break down a little bit, and as, as news is coming out, you guys are probably, by the time you listen to this, coming up on Fridays and Saturdays, getting ready for the game, you guys might have more news than we have as we record this on Tuesday night. However, I do want to mention this is really funny. So Chad Kelly goes out and gets a little bit too inebriated, and at the uh, seems like a Christmas party that a bunch of the Broncos um, Halloween party seems like yeah Halloween party sorry Halloween party yeah. <laughs> at a at a Halloween party that a bunch of the Broncos and not just Broncos um, apparently every NFL team has some sort of Halloween party I mean your office has a Halloween party this isn't out of the norm uh, so they were downtown downtown Denver. And he got a little bit too inebriated, it sounds like, and decided to wander into somebody's house and make himself at home. He sat down on somebody's couch next to a woman and her child. And apparently the man of the house came out and decided to beat the man, known as Chad Kelly, with a vacuum hose until he left the house. Chad Kelly was mumbling incoherently. They had no idea what he was saying. Um, there's a couple things here that I kind of want to mention I think is hilarious. The first thing is, as a man of the house... Just, just bear with me here. As a man of the house, why is the first thing you grabbed a vacuum hose? <laughs> out of desperation, man. You grab the first thing you can find. Right, was Some the random... vacuum out? Did he just get done spring cleaning or something? I mean, I would have grabbed like a beer bottle or a bat or something. And I don't know if, if uh, for everybody, if everybody that listens to this podcast is from, uh, I know a lot of you guys are from Colorado, but Colorado has a make my day law. That man could have easily been dead. Hmm. And uh, the first thing he grabs is a is a is a vacuum hose. I mean, we, we laugh about it. I laugh about it now, but um, obviously, it's a pretty serious situation. He's going to get in trouble with the NFL. Uh, obviously, the NFL commissioner does not look kindly upon uh, civil infractions of any kind. So we'll see what kind of what kind of uh, 
punishment he's dealt with. He has his first court case on Tuesday. Or sorry, on Wednesday, the twenty fourth. So as we record this on the twenty third. Uh, so, so that's something to keep an eye out on, as, as he will probably not be suiting up for this game. We'll probably bring up our our uh, practice squads um, to back up to back up uh, Case Keenum. But I, ca- I kind of wanted to mention that. You have any any thoughts on this uh, Chad Kelly situation? Well, given I don't know his entire history, but given his track record in college, uh, you know, <clears throat> I, I think you can only take a man out of a situation. You can't really take. Uh, the personality out either you know if he was a party or once gonna be a party forever he got out of hand he got too drunk and you made a mistake i'm pretty sure everybody's done that at one point in their lives so you know it's hard to judge him he's only human but at the same time he's a professional football player and he should understand the expectations on him and understand the image he gives out and uh this could be one of the last straws in his career you know who knows how it's going to be dealt with but this could be very damaging to his image if he doesn't uh, proceed very cautiously with how to, to deal with the whole situation. Right. And, and the frustrating part I know for a lot of Broncos fans is a lot of people were pulling for him and chanting his name and cheering oh, yeah. him when he came in in the end of the fourth or in the end of the half of the, a couple of games ago where he came in um, for what we thought was a Case Keenum concussion end up not being Case Keenum played up, end up playing the rest of the game. But I think what's frustrating here is that he had a chance and, you know, uh, uh, whole fan base that was rooting for him to get the start and get mm-hmm. the play and now he essentially threw away any chance to be a starter for the rest of the year barring any crazy injury to case keenum uh and that's frustrating that, that sucks it does suck and it's kind of self-inflicted to a certain extent i mean you have to be mindful of your alcohol consumption in any situation you're in let alone as a professional athlete um but you know that's that's these were his actions he has to take responsibility for it and i think he has lost a lot of respect, and you know we'll see how he deals with it. But I was rooting for him too. You know he was Mister Irrelevant a couple of years ago, and uh, you know he was making his way up the depth chart, and he's got a good pedigree. But now it's hard to tell how he's gonna come out of this one. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and move on from the uh, Chad Kelly situation. I just kind of wanted to bring that up as we start this pregame podcast. I hope you guys are all enjoying all of our podcasts you guys subscribing to everything um as always we are the orange weekly pregame podcast we have a postgame podcast done by tanner and jeff uh they break down the postgame and talk about what what they liked and what they didn't like about the game as well as uh our facebook live videos we have our beer broncos and no bs on tuesday nights as well as uh, a couple shows wednesday and thursday so make sure you guys are tuning into all those um so as we get ready for Kansas City and going to Arrowhead, Matt, what, what do you think? What do you think is the is the biggest downfall about going into a rival team's home stadium? Especially, um, well, <clears throat> right now it's it's the biggest downfall is Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, we we talked about offline how we're not going to gloat too much about this guy, but statistically, he's probably the best quarterback in the league. He's got twenty two hundred yards. He's 22 touchdowns. He's just on fire. So I think currently he's the biggest downside. And then on top of that, you add the crowd noise and you add the energy and you add the rivalry and you add the hype. And it's there's a lot that goes into it. There's a lot that can be there to distract the Broncos if they let it distract them. Um, but I think the biggest thing to fear on the Chiefs is Patrick Mahomes. But I think there's a lot of opportunity to beat the Kansas City Chiefs given that they have probably the worst defense in the league. 
Um, statistically, they're the dead last in yards. I, they're dead last in passing yards. I think they're 25th in rushing. Uh, they're in the bottom 10 for points. So, you know, there, there's a lot of hype on this uh, Chiefs offense, but their defense is not doing so well. So, you know, I, the, the Broncos really have to focus on what they can achieve. They can't, you know, quiet the hype, but they can, you know, sure enough, just ignore it and, and go in and play a solid football game, regardless of the circumstance. Right. And, and and I think you brought up a good point that the crowd noise is going to be a big deal. And last time we played them, we we, we lost. However, we lost on a final drive where uh, Patrick Mahomes threw a left-handed pass while being chased by the greatest outside linebacker in the history of the NFL. That's a self, self-inflicted... Um, uh, I'm giving him that myself. Um, I I think that uh, you know Patrick Mahomes is a game changer. No matter no matter what way you look at it, and I think the one thing that we need to do is uh, is control him. But the main problem with that is that he has so many weapons. And uh, to to plug a couple of our Facebook shows, Raymond was just on the uh, Beer Broncos No BS, and he was talking about just the, the amount of weapons that this guy has. Let's let's look at. Uh, I mean, his receiving core is unreal. He has he has his four string receiver used to be one of the greatest receivers um, in fantasy football just a couple years ago in Buffalo, and uh, yeah, now now he has these 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 great receivers. He has an amazing running back in Kareem Hunt, and uh, yeah, he he's got the weapons to be able to to do what he does, and that definitely helps make him what he is. But he is also a good quarterback, so I think the Broncos just need to control him a little bit and and find that way and this might be a little bit of repeat from the last time we did the Kansas City breakdown but I think if we can find a way to rattle him or find what it is that makes him tick not every quarterback is invincible even Tom Brady the Denver Broncos found a way to get to Tom Brady and and Patrick Mahomes is no different we just have to figure out what it is that makes him tick and we have to disrupt that as soon as we can find that we can we can go out and win this game but but I I think that's going to have to be have to have to have to be a key for the Broncos going into this game Oh, big time. And I, I like how you mentioned uh, Mahomes' weapons because you're right. His like his receiving core is outstanding. Travis, uh, Travis Kelsey, one of the best tight ends in the league. Tyree Kill, I, you know, he gets faster every game. I don't know how he does it. He, he's phenomenal. And those are just two of the guys. But I think his biggest weapon is actually Andy Reid. Andy Reid has been an outstanding coach for this offense. Like he's putting up great numbers. He's developed such a deep system that fits around Mahomes' skill set. I think he is really the biggest thing to fear. Um, I think, you know, like man-to-man on the field, I think the Broncos can match up against this team. Uh, the defense did show last week that they can have a, a, a dominating presence on the field. Yes, it was against the abysmal Cardinals, um, but, I mean, they played so well that they got Mike McCoy fired. So, you know, there, there's there's a lot to say about this Broncos defense. So they can come in and rattle it, but it's going to be a battle of the coaches here. I think Andy Reid is the biggest weapon on this Kansas City Chiefs team. And I think that the Broncos have to make the most of what they see on film and they have to execute defensively to try and, and, and close in on Mahomes because otherwise it's going to be very difficult to uh, slow down this offense. They have to outcoach Andy Reid, which is hard enough as it is, but th- that's really got to be their focus. Yeah, I, I do want to mention that Mike McCoy has been fired at the hands of the Broncos two seasons in a row midseason. That's just a, a random stat for you. Uh, last season, he got fired as the offensive coordinator for the Broncos halfway through the season. Now it's, it's, <laughs> it's the Arizona Cardinals. But you're right. I think it, a lot of it comes down to coaching. And something I think worth mentioning here is that we have two games before the bye. And going into this bye, I think we need 
two wins or at least one win. If if we lose two in a row, not only is the coaching seat hot, someone I can guarantee I'm putting it down right now, money back guarantee. Uh, someone is getting fired if we lose these next two games against Kansas City and Houston going into the bye week. Yeah, I, I could support that. Something's going to have to change, and there's going to be something that happens in the bye week, but it's going to be depending on these two games. Um, yeah. Kansas City is going to be a it's it's a big challenge. Let's not uh, beat around the bush here. Uh, but Texans is a very beatable game. Uh, it's yeah. very winnable for the Broncos. So you know it'd be great to go two and zero, even one and one. It's promising. Uh, but if if Changes don't happen in the bye week. They're going to happen in December, depending how the season goes. And if they don't happen, then it's going to be on the Black Monday of the first Monday of the off season. That's going to be when yep. changes happen. But something's going to be changing soon. It has to. Right. The, the season can't keep going like this. You're right. You're right. And so, so I, I want to I want to change our, our mood a little bit here. Let's let's go into this this Kansas City game. And uh, we did just come off of a big win. How much of this momentum can we build on? Going into a Kansas City, a very hot Kansas City team that's only been beat by a Tom Brady and a, and a very good offense in the Patriots. Um, how much of this momentum of this last game can we build on? And especially on the defensive side, how much of that hype going into this game can we build on to uh, to, to walk away with a win? Um, you know, I think the, the biggest thing to, to avoid, actually, is to get overhyped. You know, I mean, to understand that this was a great win, both sides of the ball. By the same time, it was at the hands of Cardinals. And the Cardinals are just really bad this year. So you have to come in saying, all right, boys, like we had a great game. We performed really well, as we should be every single game. But we have to understand that we have a big challenge up next. we got to keep bringing this energy. Uh, they can't get cocky with this win over the Cardinals. But they can absolutely get the confidence from that game. That game was a great sort of rebuilding a great game to just come in and, and rebuild a little bit of that confidence, that the swagger that was missing on the field. And I think if the Broncos are able to carry that through and, and, and to just ride that wave, they can be very competitive against uh, against these Chiefs. I agree. So let's let's look at the defense for the Broncos and compared to the offense for the Kansas City Chiefs, because that's I think ultimately that's going to be where the big the big battle lies. And yeah, on both sides of the ball, there's a very uh, obvious better side of the ball and I think it's on the offense no matter which way you look at it so defensively and and we'll take this with a grain of salt we we played very very well against the Arizona Cardinals and our defense really stepped up so some of these numbers are inflated a little bit but we are still even after the Cardinals game last dead last in the league in rushing yards per game let up and we're going against mm. a Kareem Hunt Kansas City offense that don't get me wrong two, two weeks ago we did a very good job of stopping but, I mean, you still can't get past the fact that we're the worst team in rushing yards per game even after stopping the, the Arizona Cardinals from doing anything against us. Yeah, yeah, and that's going uh, to be the key there because the, the, the Chiefs will exploit that weakness. With a guy like Kareem Hunt and even Spencer Ware, they're going to exploit the weakness of just having a, a bad run defense. So that's something that, you know, Vance Joseph and, and whoever is going to be running this defense, this game is going to have to shore up, but it's going to be a challenge. Big challenge. I think that uh, you have Andy Reid over there, and you can't count him out no matter who they have on the offense. And now they have this explosive offense. You definitely can't count them out. You know they have the weapons. they mm -hmm. got to use them. Um, all right, so let's look at some other stats. Rushing yards per game were last. Um, passing yards per game were 10th, but I think that comes down to I think that's a little bit inflated. Um, on the uh, offensive side for the Kansas City Chiefs, they're the fifth overall team with 317 yards per game over the air, averaging 
that's that's crazy. Three hundred seventeen yards per game averaging mm. uh, over the air. That's Patrick Mahomes just lighting it up every single week. Now we are number ten um, in the passing yards per game at two hundred. We're letting up only only two hundred twenty nine yards per game. Um, that's pretty good. And, and and I think that that has a little bit to do with where the NFL is heading right now with this high explosive passing offenses. Of course. Of course, yeah. I mean, all these defensive numbers are getting skewed. Uh, it's hard to compare. Even historically, it's hard to compare defenses now just because it's, you know, it's not the same game. Like, not only is the – is the our off, sorry, not only are offenses getting way more dynamic and pass-heavy, but the rules are changing too. Look at what happened earlier this season with this whole um, – uh, quarterback pressuring and, and like body weight and these tackling rules it's so bizarre like nobody really knows what to do anymore but what's clear is that the game can't be as defensive as it used to be can't be as aggressive can't hit as hard etc cetera, etc cetera. which is i look at it in terms of player safety and i think it's a good evolution but i look at it in terms of the sort of traditional nature of the game and i think it's a little scary to see where football is going so it's you know there's two sides to this argument i think well there's more sides than two, but nonetheless, I think that, you know, <laughs> 229 per, yards per game, that's pretty good. You know, look at Baltimore's defense. They're at 190 yards per game. That's about 30 yards difference. Jacksonville's pass defense is the best in the league at 179. So that's a 60-yard difference, but, you know, it, it's not that big of a difference. 60 yards is realistically one play a game. If we're looking at how these games are going, you know, nowadays, it's 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 not that big of a sway. Um, but I'm looking at Kansas City. They're allowing 316 yards a game, you know, uh, in the air. So, that, you know, just shows the difference between the, the, the Denver defense is significantly better than the Chiefs defense. So they can absolutely, they can absolutely yeah, come in here and, and disrupt some people. Yeah, it is it is important to mention that they have the worst uh, total passing yards per game and, and second worst total Sorry, the worst total yards per game and the second worst passing yards per game. But I think that's a little inflated because ultimately they go up so fast that uh, offenses have to throw on them, and and yeah. you know that's that, that's that a really is a little point. bit inflated. That's, that's something that you have to kind of keep in mind. But but still, to be to let up 316 yards in the air per game, and you're still letting up 118 yards on the ground. You're still 23rd in the league and on the ground. So their defense is not. The one winning them these games, it's definitely the offense. So, oh yeah, there is a chance for the Denver Broncos to really find their niche. And if we look at the the game where they played against the the Jaguars, they won thirty to fourteen. But Blake Bortles put up four hundred and thirty yards against the Chiefs defense. Right, yardage wise, it was pretty outstanding. Blake Bortles, the guy who was benched for Cody Kessler, put up four hundred yards on the Chiefs defense. Now, the asterisk to that one is he threw four interceptions that game and only one touchdown. So Blake Bortles is, you know, still Blake Bortles. But nonetheless, 430 yards. So Case Keenum has a big opportunity. And same with Bill Musgraves. He's got a big opportunity here to uh, capitalize on this defense. Last time they played each other, Keenum only really put up 245 yards and he had a pick. So I think the Chiefs defense kind of came alive in that game. But... You know they're they're vulnerable. There's something there to be had that they have to exploit. You know I'm not a professional coach. I don't sit and watch all the game film. But man, they, these guys they, they should be seeing something here. The Patriots, yeah, you know this Tom Brady, but he put through 340 yards on the Chiefs. You know they they ran for 106 yards. The Chiefs don't have a good running defense. Like this is a team that you know you should be able to keep up with score for score the entire game. You know, this one should come down to you – know, they should be forcing Patrick Mahomes to throw the ball with his left hand to win the game. 
Like, if that's what it takes for the Chiefs to win the game, that's pretty outstanding. That's a really good defensive performance, right? And, I mean, that's what we saw last time they played each other. So it's, it is repeatable. It's really hard to beat the same team twice. You know, the, the Chiefs won the first time, but it's really hard to beat the same team twice. So the Broncos do actually have an advantage on that side as well. Um, the biggest disadvantage, I think, is just the, the home field advantage that the Chiefs have. But otherwise, this is a, a very winnable game. So another thing I, I think I want to mention here is that uh, along with the home field advantage and the, and the not beating two teams twice is that uh, Kansas City is notorious for going and starting the season very strong and then starting to slide towards the end of the season. They may still mm-hmm. get a home field advantage for the wild card. And then even if they get the home field advantage of the wild card, I'm pretty sure they own the record for most home field games, playoff games lost in a row. And Kansas City has a young quarterback that uh, that hasn't been found out yet. Yeah, somebody's going to find his weakness for sure. And I just I think this is a very hard weakness to find because you watch his game. This guy's making left-handed throws. In the pregame, you watch him. They show little clips of him, and he's just ripping it down the field with his left hand. Right. Apparently, this guy was an outstanding basket, basketball player. He was drafted to the MLB. He could have been a pitcher for the MLB. Like, he's just... Uh, a natural athlete. Sorry, I think it's shortstop for baseball, not uh, not yeah. pitcher. But regard, I'm sure you could have played any position and excelled at it. He's just a natural athlete. He's gifted. Uh, he may become a generation generational player if he stays healthy. Uh, his weakness will be found. You know, every quarterback ever has a weakness, but some guys like Breeze, Brady, Manning, Rogers, they just keep finding ways to win, and they just keep finding ways to put up the numbers and. I believe that Mahomes is one of those guys. I think he's going to be very difficult to beat. And if he's anything like one of the greats, he's going to be very adaptable. So you'll like find his mistake and then he'll address it. He'll fix it. He'll change it. Uh, and, you know, but the thing is, once you do find that first mistake, then you exploit it and hopefully it pays off. But look what happened with the Rams last year. The Rams were just insane on offense last year and they lost in the first week of the playoffs. You know, and it's these teams are beatable. It's not uh, – nobody's perfect in this league. Nobody's invincible. So – it's all about finding that weakness, and if the Broncos can find it, awesome. They better exploit it the whole game. Yeah, and and I think something that I'm looking forward to the most too is from the coaches. We talked about the mm. coaches being on the hot seat if they lose the next couple of games, but uh, every coach that the Kansas City Chiefs have played so far, including us, that first game has found a way to uh, dice up this defense. And, and found a way to to get plenty of yards and enough yards to only lose by, you know, like you said, left-handed throws on a, on a last-minute uh, drive. Yeah. But if if we can do that one more time and get our offense, if, if Bill Musgraves and Vance Joseph can sit down in a room and say, okay, this is what we need to do, this is what we need to attack to win this game, then I think we have a very good chance of winning this game. But I think you, you said it from the very beginning, we need to out-coach the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid, who has been doing this for so many years, I can't even count them. Um, I, I, but I can't count that high to begin with, so we'll, we'll just <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. Um, but I, I honestly think that I think that it's what it really comes down to is that coaching. And I know, you know, me and you, we both love the coaching aspect of this game, and we harp on it a lot. But I think that's in this game specifically. This game that, that means so much to the Broncos, maybe not so much to the Kansas City Chiefs as they've already beat us once, but so much more to the Denver Broncos mm-hmm. that it it's about heart and it's about the coaches really, really wanting it and they have to be able to exploit that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think you nailed it on the head with it's about heart. 
you know, who wants it more at this point? These are all professionals. These are all excellent athletes, but who wants it more? Who believes in the team more? It's easy to get cocky when you start winning games a lot. You know, it's easy for the Chiefs to kind of walk in the chip on their shoulder, not take the Broncos seriously enough, and then come out and get, you know, absolutely rolled over. But it's all about who's got that confidence. And I think the Broncos need to really roll off their last week's game, that big win. And they've had an extended week, too. They played on Thursday night. So now they've had a few extra days to rest up, to recoup, fix these little injuries, watch more film. They could watch the Chiefs live. You know, there's a lot of things that, you know, they came to an advantage of. But that is, that's not even a saying. There's a lot of things that they, they made advantage, <clears throat> they took advantage of just to, to get to where they are today to prepare for these Chiefs. But, yeah, I think it's uh, – I, th- I just personally think it's a very winnable game. And I think you said it right. And it's about heart and confidence and who wants to win it more. And it's all going to come down that first quarter. If the Chiefs come out and, th- and score 21 like they've done a few times this year on the first quarter, that's hard to come back from. But if they come out and the Broncos can rattle them in a little bit, then I think that uh, the game's winnable because this offensive line is an ex- excellent. Eric Fisher is very susceptible. Mitchell Schwartz, pretty good right tackle. But the, across the board, the rest, it's uh, you know Cameron Irving. He was a center guard for the Browns. Mitch Morse is pretty good. But Andrew Wiley is pretty young. Like There's some weaknesses on this uh, offensive line that should be exploited with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb. But I hopefully they'll they'll be able to do it. You know. Yeah, yeah. And you you mentioned you mentioned earlier too about uh, you know we have this long week because we played Thursday. We got to see him watch live, but that also gives our guys some time to rest up a little bit and, oh, yeah. and here's the unfortunate part is we have we have this time for these guys to rest up but all of our injuries i mean we're looking rough right now in injury in the injury stats here so i just want to bring up a, a couple big ones one of a couple of them that we lot we brought up last week is uh the ronald leary and jared valdeer loss uh, ronald leary's out for the season he's on ir unfortunately he's a huge yeah. part of that run game jared valdeer is still still questionable on tuesday the 23rd that's a huge loss for that run game. We talked about that last week. And and honestly, other than Garrett Bowles, that entire offensive line is that 2016 offensive line that we really, really despised and just could not give mm-hmm. anybody time if they could save their lives. So um, other other important things to mention, uh, linebacker Shane Ray is questionable as of Tuesday. Uh, Adam Jones, the cornerback that we picked up to kind of be a cornerstone in our in our off, in our defense there is is also questionable again. Um, Deshaun Hamilton, who exited the game on Thursday with uh, that huge, un- crazy hit on that punt return, um, he's day to day. And uh, Darian Stewart, the safety's questionable. He's also he might miss time after he also left after the the Thursday game. Um, Vance Joseph didn't have much to say about that. And then the big one too, right? So we have Royce Freeman, our one of our running backs. He's day to day in the aftermath of the forty-five to ten win over the Cardinals. And uh, I'm not sure exactly what happened with Royce Freeman. I think it was an ankle injury, to be honest with you. But if he's gone, right? Now we have Philip Lindsay as our, as our three-down back with a uh, Devontae Booker backup. Uh, how much of a, of a role does Royce Freeman play in that two-headed monster and, and uh, the success of the Broncos' run game? I think he's key. Like these, these uh, big-time sort of downhill hammer running backs, I think they're key to setting the tone, to eating up the clock to getting first downs. Like if you can average three, four yards a run, that's pretty good because you know you run three times and you can at least get, you know, that fourth and one or even a first down. So I think these guys are key. If they can get rolling, they're very dangerous and, and they can make or break a game. And um, and just looking at the stats, we, we, 
we talked about it, and and this defense is very susceptible. Kansas City defense is not that good, straight up. And I think that you know the the offense needs to take care of it. Like I'm repeating myself, but it's it's got to happen. Absolutely got to happen. And it's going to start with Royce Freeman. You know, what I mean, like Philip Lindsay can be a compliment back to him, but at Royce Freeman, he's got to set that tone, and he's he's got to be healthy. He's got to be ready to go because he's a big part big part of this offense. Yeah, and and and. Uh... Devontae Booker has not been given enough chances this year because he's been overshadowed by this Royce Freeman, Philip Lindsay, two headed monster, which I agree 100% going forward that that needs to be it. But I think Devontae Booker can really still be that downhill, lower the shoulder, run some people over running back if he needs to be. And mm-hmm. he needs to have a huge game. If, if Royce Freeman doesn't play, if he doesn't play, he needs to have a huge game in order to beat this Kansas City Chiefs defense. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Royce Freeman's been having a great year. He's averaging averaging 4.4 yards a carry, which is pretty good. I mean, that means he runs three times and he gets a first down. Philip Lindsay's been averaging 5.8 yards a carry. That's awesome. He's got four yards of over 20, uh, four rushes of over 20 yards. That's great. Like the running backs are there for the Broncos. You know, they, these guys can absolutely uh, take over a game, but it's they have to. They have to be healthy and they have to be really willing to go and willing to take the weight of this game on their shoulders. Because let's not forget, these guys are rookies too. You know, they're new to this whole experience. So that, that plays a part into it, too. Who's going to coach them up? Who's going to take that leadership? Devontae Booker is the, the 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 veteran in that locker room for the running back. So it's, yeah. you know, what kind of leadership role is he going to take on, right? If he has to play a lot more, how is he going to show that to the rookies? How is he going to, you know, tell the team that he can carry this load, right? So it's there's a lot that goes into this. These running backs are very key for this game, and hopefully they're all healthy. Yeah. And, and it's cool, too, to see these rookies – doing so well I mean, yeah. I mean i mean if you look at if you look at our team right now and the guys that day in and day out and each week that we do this podcast we're, we're talking about how well they played and how well we want these other guys to play you know we're, we're talking about Cortland sutton who's been having a crazy season as a rookie we're talking about yeah. philip Lindsay. we're talking about royce freeman and even bradley chubb in this last game once they finally stopped they finally stopped putting him out in pass coverage for whatever reason they were putting there they finally starting letting him get to the quarterback, and he has a crazy game, a oh, crazy yeah. couple games. He finally gets steps it up. Now, now we're looking at a rookie class that, for the first time in five years, Broncos country can be proud of. Oh yeah, big and that's time. something. It, especially if we're going to take anything out of this season, it goes. Oh my gosh, we do have a future. We just have to let them be that future. And right now they're rookies. And I think next year when they're no longer rookies, they can start taking those leadership roles a little bit more seriously, especially yeah. these guys in the backfield, the Royce Freemans and the and the Philip Lindsay. Um, right now even guys, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of high school seniors, you know, as I go to practice and I'm, I'm coaching high school football, um, you know, you have these guys that aren't being drafted right now and they're not being looked at by colleges. They look up to guys like Philip Lindsay yeah, because of what he did, he did so much for these kids. They have they have this drive, they have this newfound drive to 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 make it because of what he did. And I think that he can really become that leader on that offense if we need him to be. But right now they're rookies and they're not really given a chance to. Yeah, and you know it takes some time to become a leader in this professional world. Like you know, uh, this is this is an older team with the Broncos too. There's a lot of veterans on this roster, and you know, for a guy like Philip Lindsay, who is uh, you know, he's 24 years old. He's a young guy to come in this room. It's a little intimidating. So, you know, you don't want to step on toes. You got to find your place within the room. You got to find how it, it, you know, the culture works. But um, I think he's got the respect of the team. He's got the respect of the fans. 
you know, he, he can become the face of this franchise if he needs to be, because you're right. This Broncos team is very exciting. Um, this year has been going a bit, you know, it's been a struggle, but the next couple of years with these young players, it's very exciting. If we just look at the receiver core, there's been talks with trading uh, Demarius Thomas and, you know, even Emmanuel Sanders. I don't think they're ever going to trade Emmanuel Sanders, but Demarius Tana, Thomas, why not? Look at Cortland Sutton, like this young player rookie. He's really good. And he's got the body for it. 6'4", 216. He's huge. Yeah. And he's a big guy, and, and he's been getting better and better every week. And, and same with De, Deshaun Hamilton. I think Deshaun Hamilton is a very good player that's underrated. Um, and I'm looking at this now. He was born in Japan, apparently. Huh. Is huh, he a military kid? Yeah, he must be expat or something. But, yeah, anyways, yeah. that's a side note. But Deshaun Hamilton, he's, you know, he's fantastic receiver. Tim Patrick, wherever this guy came out of, awesome. You know, right. like there's, there's a lot of great players that, that young players that the Broncos have, and they just need to find the right overall leadership the right coach the right quarterback and this team can go from three and four to six and one you know if seven yeah. seven and no if anything so the potential is there but i think it's like we've mentioned almost every week now it's it's an overarching leadership issue that's uh that's sort of present within the broncos locker room that's causing a lot of these struggles and miscommunications and you know a loss of swagger essentially from over the past couple of years right uh, so for the record, by the way, Tim Patrick is a San Diego high school kid. Shout out to San Diego high school football. Uh, <laughs> um, but I, I think you're right. I think um, a lot of this uh, Broncos offense, especially on the offensive side, defensive side a little bit less uh, other than Bradley Chubb, um, who obviously was a first-round uh, first draft pick. But um, this offensive side of the ball and, and what we were able to get with the picks that we got and that some of this talent that we have is – super exciting because we got some of these guys for steals it seems like mm. so now we can with what we have focus on fixing our main problems which is i want to say right now at the at the defensive back position and oh, yeah. um with the injuries oh, yeah. that we have a little bit on the offensive line and i have to bring it up case keenum still owns the record for the most interceptions sorry not most interceptions and interception in every game so far this season he's the only quarterback still in the league and uh, that's something that's got to get shored up. And if he doesn't shore that up, we're going to have another quarterback controversy on our hands next year. And that's just, you know, it seems like the same thing over and over again for Broncos country. It is. I mean, I was looking at the, uh, the potential draft picks for uh, 2019 coming up. And there's a few quarterbacks in there that are looking very promising. There's a guy from Duke, uh, Ohio State, uh, Oregon. I think the Oregon kid is actually uh, staying in college. But regardless, like there's going to be some good quarterbacks coming up in the draft. And I think John Elway is very aware of that. As much as yep. he doesn't like young quarterbacks, I don't think he's really got a choice anymore. Uh, because you can't keep picking at the sort of veterans that hang around the league. Because, I mean, th this uh, next offseason – you know, I don't know of any of these big quarterbacks that are going to become free agents, you know, maybe other than Blake Bortles. But really, do you want Blake Bortles leading your team? Clearly, it's not what you want. Right. Um, so, you know, it's this kind of reminds me of when um, Jerry Jones signed Tony Romo to like this five-year, $80 million extension. This is, you know, years before he retired. But I remember having a conversation with my friend about how ridiculous it is to give Tony Romo so much money. Um, and... What, what I ended up understanding from just reading the news and, and hearing his professionals talk is that Jerry Jones did that because 
Tony Romo was the best quarterback that he could get at that time. At the time. And he was the most available. So then that's what he paid for. He's like, I'm going to pay for the quality of what I can get now. This is the best available now because who else could play this position better than Tony Romo that's available, right? So Case Keenum, I think it was a situation like that where he was the best available for to start right now. But, you know, John Elway is going to have to start. That's important to mention. That, that we can we afford, can exactly. Um, I mean, Kirk Cousin was another example, but I don't think that it was part of the budget. And there, there needs to be a future plan here at quarterback because right now Chad Kelly, I mean, he's getting wasted. So I don't know about that. And Kevin Hogan, he's he's had a few shots here and there, but he's more of like a utility quarterback. He's not quite a franchise guy. And he's a third strength for Broncos. So it's, you know, it's it's hard to see where the future's going in this position. Running back, the future's there. Receiver, the future's there. Offensive line, there's some work to be done, like you said. On the defense, like, you know, the, the interior seven is pretty talented, especially the defensive line. Secondary, very suspect. Um, there's some opportunities, you know, across the board really on this team, but where's the future in the quarterback? This is a quarterback-driven league. You know, there has to be some sort of sense of hope uh, of a future within this position, right? Because the, this window is closing for a lot of the other good players. So, you know, managerially, something has to change. Uh, I think it will. I think Elway's starting to realize that. Hopefully he'll make a, a move soon, but it'll be very interesting to see how this all rolls out, depending on Case Keenum, Keenum can hold up this team. Right, and and the and the longer we wait, especially on some of these athletes that we have, uh, whatever we have left of that Super Bowl Fifty team, uh, they're aging, and oh, yeah. uh, as as Kev Dan had said, they're aging each each or they're aging more each and every day, um, which I feel like that's a that's insight. That's that's great insight there. But yeah, I mean every the the longer we we hold off on trying to find the replacements, the longer we're we're holding off. So I mean. Yeah, you got to look at, at the receiving core. We started finally doing it, um, but at the on the defensive side, we got to start finding replacements for guys. And uh, we obviously could not find the replacement for uh, Akib Tlaib as we traded him, thinking he was towards the end of his his career. And, and as he's injured now, you know, kind of a good look. But we got, we got to start looking at, at some of that stuff and, and and just move forward and try to try to build our team for the future. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult process, but I think right now all we can do is, is hope that we can compete with the Chiefs, we can put them up, and we can come out and, and beat them. I think they're beatable. I think it's a difficult game. You know, I think it's going to be hard to beat them, but I do think they're beatable. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is really the, the X factor here, and he's a big X factor. Um, but considering his ceiling and, and how he could really become one of the greats, you know, it's, it's sort of... I don't know. It's hard to gauge really how, how I feel about this guy and how we fit in this game, but I think he's beatable. Absolutely. And I think that this team can it has a lot of weaknesses that can be exploited. They just have to be done well. And basically, Vance Joseph has to outcoach Andy Reid, which is Absolutely. you know a big task in its own, but it's very possible. And and you know if I think part of the Broncos is looking to the future, but another part of it is trying to figure out how the season's going to turn out and how we can go ahead and, and win as many games as possible. I think that's really pressing right now. The season's not over. No, God, no, absolutely. There's so much it's... time left. And the, the upcoming games, too, like Chiefs is a challenge. You know, Texans, very winnable game. Chargers, winnable, challenging, but winnable. You know, there's, there's the Bengals in there, the Niners, the Raiders again, like right. the Browns. So, I mean, there's a lot of wins to be had. But right. this, these are all make-or-break games. They're all must-win starting from, you know, two weeks ago. So, yeah. 
This yeah. is, and this is the time. This is the time after coming off a big win to turn this team around and really turn it into a possible playoff team. And yeah. I, I, I still believe in our team, and I think that we can do it. Um, that being said, let's go ahead and go into our prediction for this game uh, against Kansas City. So uh, I'll, I'll let you kick it off for our predictions here. Okay, cool. Um, well, you're not going to like my answer. I think this is a winnable game, but unfortunately I think Mahomes does some. He might throw with his left foot this time. You know, I don't know. He might drop foot. kick it in the end zone. Um, he might, I don't know, he, he might do your taxes as well. Yeah, I, who knows? I mean, he might Kermit the Frog it all the way down the field, man. Who knows what's going to happen? But I think he might do your taxes. He might do your taxes while he's throwing the ball with his left hand. And, you know, I don't know, man. He mows your grandma's lawn or something, too. Like, this guy's a <laughs> jack of all trades. But um, so much for not gloating about him. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We talked about this. A little bit, yeah. Um, but no, I, I do think it's going to be a close game. But I think the Chiefs do come ahead again. And um, I think it's going to be around the same score as last time. I think it's going to be a, a 28 to 24 game for the Chiefs. But again, coming down to a fourth quarter, last minute sort of drive, that magic has to happen for them and to I, win this I, game. I do want to mention here, uh, calling you out on this, you keep saying that it's really hard to beat a team two times. The Broncos have the advantage here. And then towards the end of the podcast, when we have a chance to give our prediction. That's when you when you crap out on us. <laughs> yeah, I'm not crapping out. I'm just kind of realistic. I said possible. It's hard oh, to beat a team possible. twice. It's, oh. it's a very winnable game. I just – Patrick Mahomes is just like – I don't know, man. He's, he's godly. There's something about him, and it's just – and, you know, I might get a poster of him and just hang him in my bedroom. I don't know why, but it's I, – I just think that at the end of the day, that you know, they're, they're just very good on offense. But I would love to be proven wrong here. Absolutely love to be proven wrong and say, yeah, I should have bet on the Broncos. Right. Right. What's I, your I, prediction? Honestly, I, honestly, so first of all, I think I think you're only wrong in one game. I think this whole season you've been, you've predicted uh, correctly all but the Jets game. I think that's the only game that you've. Uh, yeah, I think that surprised a lot of people. Yeah, it surprised it surprised a lot of people, including everybody in Denver, which is what started <laughs> this whole this whole downhill process and uh, and, and negative thinking. But. Um, so my prediction again, um, I don't think I've gone against the Broncos once this season, and I've obviously been wrong more times than not. Um, I think I think the Broncos can do it. I think you're right. I think it's really hard to beat a team twice. It is very difficult going into Arrowhead, which is one of the mm-hmm. louder stadiums um, against a tougher team. That uh, you know, right now they're, they're second in league uh, behind the, the LA Rams. But I, I do think that we. We figured something out to be able to slow Patrick Mahomes down, and I think mm-hmm. we could figure that out one more time. I think we could do it again. The only thing that, that going forward, it hasn't mentioned it yet, so I want to mention it now in my prediction, is that uh, we need to make sure that they don't go up early. Yeah. As, as soon as they go up early on us, as soon as they get that momentum, it's going to be really hard to stop the momentum, especially in Arrowhead with those fans. Those fans are unreal. It's one of those places that's just just electric anytime that that team scores. Um, we can't let them get up by more than two to three scores, especially in the first half. If that happens, it's going to be a rough downhill slide for us. Uh, that being yeah. said, I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're gonna we're gonna go shot for shot for them. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game because I never ever want to predict over thirty points uh, ever again because it worked out for me last week. Um, <laughs> so that's a good point. Yeah, let's not predict it and let's watch it happen. Yeah, let's not predict it and let's watch it happen. So I'm, I'm going to say this is a, uh, I think, very similar, if not exact, score that you predicted, 28 to 24, but I think the Broncos are going to take it, 28 yeah. to 24. 
Cool. No, that's that's very reasonable. Um, I think there's a lot to be had in this game. Mahomes is, you know, the, the the most protected quarterback in the league. Like he's been sacked the least amount of times, but at the same time, there's great sack artists on the Broncos. And if they can just get in his right. face, just pressure him, just rush the passes, I think a lot. Can you, if you can disrupt his momentum and his rhythm, I think that uh, it's going to be it's going to go a long way in this game. So I I am betting on the Chiefs, but I would love to be proven wrong for this one. He's the least sacked because, A, his offensive line is decent, but also, B, his mobility. I mean, you saw in the Broncos game, we we almost had him, what, five, six, seven times? Yeah. And he just got out of it just by his pure mobility and athleticism. Oh, yeah, and the quickness of the ball, too, just releasing it and just, you know. Before we turn this into a Patrick Mahomes show, I think we should just end it here and give a go Broncos because, again, it is it is a winnable game, and I want to be proven wrong. Please. <laughs> We, we, we're going to bring it to our uh, the rest of our uh, Orange Weekly members or the Orange Weekly crew here to give you their predictions. Uh, they have sent us all their predictions, something new that we're doing, and I think it's been working really well. It's been interesting to see what everybody thinks. So uh, here are our Orange Weekly crew predictions. Hey, Broncos country. This is David from Beers Broncos and No BS. Another tough game coming up this week against our division-leading Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, it's going to be a hard one this week, Broncos country. I think we're probably going to drop this one. I'm going to call it 30-20 to 20 Chiefs and hope that I'm wrong. As always, go Broncos. Hey, everyone. This is Jay from Orange Weekly After Dark. Uh, great win for the Broncos and building up our confidence, especially in our D. Tough break having to face one of the top teams in the league. Uh, on the road right after as a prove-it game. Uh, I think our defense is going to continue their swagger and help shut down that powerhouse offense the Chiefs have. But I think being on the road and the Chiefs doing too well, uh, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to get, get a, another win on the road. And so I want to say the Chiefs squeak by with a 17-14 win. Hey, what's going on, y'all? It is Ray from the Beers, Broncos, and No BS show on Tuesday nights. And I'm going to go out on a limb here and say in order for the Broncos to win, they're going to have to score 30 points. And this week in Kansas City, um, they don't score 30 points. My guess is the exact same score as last time, 23-20. Kansas City wins in a squeaker. The Broncos look good but don't have enough towards the end. And find another L in the loss column. Hey Broncos country, this is Tanner, host of the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast. Our Broncos are coming off a big 45-10 to win over the Cardinals. Going at Arrowhead this Sunday, going to be um, real difficult with them coming off a 45-10 win over the Bengals. Uh, I think the Broncos keep it close, but I'm going with Chiefs 35, Broncos 24. Hey guys, Kev Dan here, and how about that game last Thursday night, putting up 45 big points against the Cardinals on the road. Felt really good, especially the way our season's been going so far. So now we got to go on the road again to the Kansas City Chiefs Stadium, which is always very loud, very tough environment to play in. But we have shown that we have every chance to beat the Chiefs. You know, we played them about a month ago. We went up 10 points half of the fourth quarter. Things were looking really good, and then we just decided not to play the last 10 minutes. So if we stick to that game plan, we hold Travis Kelsey to basically nothing. If we're able to get to Patrick Mahomes and actually sack him several times or just 
let him get outside the pocket, throw with his left hand, and hope that touching his ankle makes him fall down or something like that. You know, if we can prevent those stupid penalties, no holding from no holding penalties from Garrett Holds. I mean, sorry, Garrett Bowles, uh, you know, stuff like that. I think we have every chance to beat this team. So that being said, my final score prediction is going to be Broncos 34, Kansas City 31. A very tough and very close road game against the Chiefs, and I think we're going to be able to pull that one out of the hat. So that being said, thanks guys for letting me come on the air here, and go Broncos. Thank, thanks again for Matt and myself and the whole Orange Weekly and Orange Weekly crew. Make sure you guys like make sure you guys rate make sure you guys are going online and uh subscribing to everything that we do uh, we really appreciate all the support and uh hope that we can get out there and uh get a big broncos win hopefully the broncos can get a big win in kansas city this week and we will see you next week and with that go broncos orange man i'm rocking orange man Always gotta rock orange, that's just how I roll. I'm rocking orange, man. Word up, I'll be rocking with the Broncos.